Welcome to the Recycle Podcast, where we discuss everyday issues from a mental health perspective. We are your hosts, Dr. Rashonda Strickland, Dr. LaFanya Jones-Hines, and Dr. Nichelle Wall. Now don't get it twisted. We're not going to be your stereotypical therapist. What we will be is informative, down to earth, a little spicy, and vulnerable. All right, interns, turn up your volume, grab your pen and paper. It's supervision time. As a reminder, this podcast is not meant to take the place of a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to session 62, Perfect Intentions. Come on with them perfect intentions, y'all. <laughs> Do you ladies think that saying that your weakness on a job interview is perfectionism is a negative or positive thing? I mean, for me, I think <laughs> it's a cop out answer. Um, That's not the option. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it lacks a lot of insight, mm-hmm. but because um, that's a default, a lot of people will say. Yeah. However, to answer your question specifically, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's. If I had to, I would err on the side of negative because of what socially we attribute to the word perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So people typically kind of that. Um, rigidity mm-hmm. is usually kind of what gets associated with perfectionism. So like to adhere specifically to that, I would lean more negative. Mm-hmm. I would say number one, it depends on the job because if you were coming in as an assistant, somebody would love that actually. But from my perspective as a mental health professional, <laughs> um, it's going to be negative for me, doc. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't, Number one, I don't like the way that phrase would have come out of that person's mouth because, yes, you have areas of weakness or areas of growth that you need, number one, but also what is your game plan? Because if you're going to throw that out there, I also need you to back it up with this is how I help myself in this way because I don't want to hire somebody that's already coming in with somewhat of a defeatist attitude or someone who thinks they know everything Mm -hmm. because I have to chop them in the neck, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) I think people see being a perfectionist as a strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they say it as a weakness, because Mm -hmm. it also sounds like a strength. But I think what people have to understand is that when you say that you're a perfectionist, that doesn't mean that you get work done. It doesn't mean that you strive for excellence. It actually means the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like you're less likely to get work done because you're too worried about it being perfect. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a delay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be late. It's not, you know, necessarily going to be turned in in the manner of which your supervisor is asking you to turn it in either. Mm -hmm. Also, it leads me to wonder what does your mental state look like and how much is that going to cost the company? Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's sick time. Um, Are you going out on FMLA? I see where you're going. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, are you, you know, it it just goes into a situation of that's an unhealthy level of excellence. It's nothing wrong with striving for excellence mm-hmm. and serving in simplicity. Shout out to my old congregation. But <laughs> um, I don't think it's really good to put yourself in that type of box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're guessing what we're talking about today, we are talking about perfectionism, identity struggle and the journey to success. Mm hmm. Perfectionism is broadly defined as a combination of excessively high personal standards and overly critical self-evaluations. And this is a definition given to us by Frost Martin Lahart and Rosenblatt. It's that critical self-evaluations <laughs> for me. Yes, <laughs> oh, of course. Because that's when, when you were kind of going through and um, both responding to the question, the thing that came to mind for me is analysis paralysis Mm. Mm -hmm. and you know, people that get caught up in perfectionism often are overthinkers. 
Yes. You know, those two things tend to go hand in hand. Um, so then you get caught up in the thinking and the what ifs and maybes and the, okay, well, how about this? And, you know, there becomes all of these scenarios and you're trying to account for every variable possible that can either, you know, help or hurt into the point that you don't make a decision and you freeze. And that's what I was going to say. It unintentionally hurts you because mm-hmm. you don't make the decision. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Imperfectionism is not attainable. Like no. always strive to be your best self, but if you're fixated on being your best self, you're not really in action mode of doing that. You're thinking about it real hard, but you're not doing it. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone knows what perfection is except for God. And it's relative to the person. Mm-hmm. I you just know what I mean? And that's him. Because you know, <laughs> or like spirit. If, you know, Dr. Strickland is saying X, Y, and Z, and she got all her little tables and stuff out, that's going to give me anxiety. I'm like, mm, just tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And, I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. You know, that reminds me. Okay. So I was having an Instagram fight this morning <laughs> and it wasn't a literal fight, but I had posted on, um, this particular hairstylist page, you know, um, man, I miss my hair. It makes me a little bit sad, but I'm growing it back from breast cancer. So it's going to be all good. So it, it wasn't nothing crazy, mm-hmm. but this girl had like, waist length hair which is what I had before mm-hmm. I cut it all off and so this girl gets onto my particular uh post and was like it's just hair I don't know why you're getting caught up kind of goes into that mm-hmm. and someone else was like well I'm seven years post cancer and chemo and all that stuff so I ex- know exactly how you're feeling and it always irritates me and makes me wonder why people are so insensitive to say it's just hair or whatever and so I'm having a whole psychological conversation with the individual that said it's just hair come to find out you know she's like well if I can take it everybody else should be able to take it Mm -hmm. and I was like well that's not really how that works I said and I didn't have no problem choosing to cut my hair off I chose to do that because I needed to let go of some things and I also um didn't want to be held back by anything Mm -hmm. I said but other people who go through what I went through are not necessarily going to get their hair back Mm -hmm. I know women who whose hair never came back Mm -hmm. you know what I mean that's not my struggle thank God Mm -hmm. but I said all that to say that person's closed mind is kind of it's on the opposite end but it's the same thing of this is my standard of perfection and if you don't show up like this, then something must be wrong with you and you need to get over it. Mm. Yeah. I and, that, that, that. you know, I can I can see that, too, when people are not open mind people <laughs> and they just, you know, stick to their way of doing things mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. thinking about something and they don't they're not open. Those people are definitely difficult to talk to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think definitely. it goes back to the idea of rigidity. You know, yes. so when we talk about perfectionism, there is an element of becoming very steadfast in your idea your way your plan your insert whatever and because in my mind this is what's perfect Mm -hmm. there literally does not exist another way for this situation to play out yeah so then I you get stuck in this loop with and it becomes a you know a fruitless argument Mm -hmm. because you get stuck in this loop of I keep re-explaining my same point and you keep trying to, um, you know, argue against it. And then the other person, as we all know, the more you argue against somebody and you're arguing against their point, they become dogmatic about their point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a lot of hearing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I said, because she did eventually comment on the the other cancer survivors thing. And I just said, you know, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about your ability to be empathetic and sympathetic to someone else's struggle and where they were at in their journey because their journey is theirs and mm-hmm. yours is yours. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is we all have certain things about ourselves that we just absolutely love. Yeah. Your, yours and the, the other lady's thing could have been your hair. And so mm-hmm. what was it? What if that would have been the only part of you that you liked? You know, you mm-hmm. could have been someone struggling with self-esteem and, you know, we it always ask, ask mm-hmm. our clients to find something about yourself yeah. that you like and, and enhance that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what I told her was, I think you have to realize is that when you go through, we are totally off topic, but when you go through breast cancer, a lot of men and women are holding on to their hair because it's one of the only things that they can control. 
Like y'all mm-hmm. know, uh, Michelle before cancer, she dead, she gone. Like I'm a totally different person than mm-hmm. I was before that. And that means body parts are gone. Opportunities mm-hmm. are gone. Hair is now gone. Like there's just certain things that you're like, let me hold on to this. So when you do lose it, um, and if you weren't prepared for it, I was prepared for it either way. Um, it's like a crushing blow. Well, I would say that's mm-hmm. on topic because that that was you accepting your imperfections. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. you have to get to a point. That's what we teach our clients. You know, you have to get to a point where you learn how to accept your imperfections in order for other people to accept the good, the bad, and the ugly about you. Yeah. Very true. I concur. It's about, <laughs> about value. Yes. Not high value. That's not what we're saying. No. Value. <laughs> Worth. No. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's a whole other story. <laughs> okay. So where do you all think this idea of perfectionism come from? Honestly, I I believe that perfectionism is a symptom of having an identity crisis hmm. and not knowing who you are. And these things make you who you are or what you are. And mm-hmm. I, be, I believe and to add to that mm-hmm. comma, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it's um, a person being stuck in an identity crisis mm-hmm. because, you know, we all, we, we have, all symptoms. have them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Starting from teenage years. Yeah. That's why we go through these phases of trying to figure out who we are so we arguing with our parents we're telling them we you know what we think we know and we think we <laughs> right and you know just mm-hmm. we think we know what's best for us and we only 14 and 15 years old mm-hmm. you know? yeah i mean even mm-hmm. kids you see it when they're trying to figure out if they're pretty or not mm-hmm. am i ugly or you know if i don't look like other people in my class yeah. or something like that because i know me growing up in texas i ain't gonna say where i grew up um I was normally the only black girl in my class. And like I said earlier, I've always had really long hair unless I chop it off and do what I want to do. And so they're like, oh, my God, how do you do that? But Mm -hmm. your hair's not like mine. Why is it curly? Why is it greasy? Because, you know, Blue Magic, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going on back then. (laughs) But, you know, your identity is wrapped up in a lot of things. And Mm For me personally, because I know that I have struggled with perfectionism as well as, you know, some other things. Um, It's like I have to be number one. I have to be the best. And that's not a good idea to that's not a good track to follow down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, this kind of goes along with the idea of comparison is the thief of joy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that I think some perfectionism is based in comparison you know we look at other people's lives and use that as a rubric for what we should be doing Mm -hmm. but we forget that we're looking at the highlights of other people's lives you're not looking at the full picture Mm -hmm. you're getting polaroids not panoramic views um Mm -hmm. and then we use that as some gauge on well i should be doing this or i should be doing that or i should not be doing this or that or i should be here or there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then with that if you already kind of have a an anxious kind of disposition already then that just fuels that fire for you to try to really adhere to whatever that thought process is you know as we all know perfectionism can be across the board it's not just necessarily related to work you know it could be perfectionism in your relationships or um just in that kind of toxic positivity that we talked about um, before you know becoming very like oh i want to be healthy and i want to um eat this this um particular diet or i want to exercise you know this many number of days a week or um you know, I want to follow this spiritual guru, whatever it is, you can become a perfectionism in whatever it is that you're striving for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think a perfectionism can be warped into um, insecurities and feelings of inadequacy mm-hmm. um, because we try to we think we are making up where we making up in a different area where we fall in certain other areas like the insecurities. 
And I think that's when people become very unhealthy, actually. Then you start doing things that causes you to feel shame. Mm-hmm. You start be- becoming engaged in things that causes you to feel shame. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with all of that. <laughs> so then what do you guys think is kind of the underbelly of um, perfectionism? Because, you know, I was, when I was doing my research, there's a couple schools of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's um, healthy-based perfectionism mm-hmm. and then there's unhealthy kind of based perfectionism. And one of the articles I was reading, it was talking about um, control. Mm-hmm. Like m- this one specifically was talking about mothers and control and with their children and what it can lead to as far as perfectionism is concerned and the emotional um, impact that kind of is the result so when y'all think about like the undercurrent of the reasons why or how perfectionism gets started what do y'all kind of see i had a a discussion with someone who was a mother and she was telling me that she was kind of fussing at her son I think he was in elementary school. I can't remember what grade, but she was fussing at him because he made a C. And I told her, I said, you know, I understand you want him to make good grades and, you know, things of that nature. I said, but you putting your anxiety on him to succeed and be successful in, uh, let's just say third grade, that's causing him to think that he has to be perfect, which means that he has to make all A's to be perfect, to not get fussed at. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, in turn, turn that into anxiety. So you're mm-hmm. essentially raising a, a, a young man who thinks he has to be p- uh, perfect and then who is also going to have anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I I would like to say just kind of an umbrella that it kind of starts with school age. Mm. Okay. Because that's when we first start doing something that I guess kind of that counts. Oh, I see. Toward our future. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with like fear of not being accepted. And if I do X, Y, and Z, then I will obtain this accolade or this um, admiration from someone or um, I won't be seen as wrong or not right. Or, you know, I think we often do things for others to tell us how good we are instead of realizing that we are good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Say that last part that <laughs> I, we do stuff for others. Say that part. Mm-hmm. I believe that we do stuff for others because we want them to tell us how good we are instead of believing that we are good. That's good. We mm-hmm. should put, we, we got to remember that, put that on the quote. <laughs> we recorded okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can play that back. Okay. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I agree. Yeah. You know, we probably talk about that all the time throughout the week Mm -hmm. on, you know, what is your view of yourself and where did that view of you come from? Mm -hmm. How are you using that view to help or hurt yourself? Um, You know, is your locus of control external or internal or your locus of responsibility? Yeah. You know, do you find, do you place the responsibility on others to feed that part of yourself or do you place that responsibility um, internally that I'm the driving force behind my Mm -hmm. beliefs about me? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think, and I can only speak for me, I think I've, I've morphed out of that, but I think there has been times and I mean, working on your doctorate degree, (laughs) you kind of set yourself up for failure Mm. to be a perfectionist, (laughs) Mm. you know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you have people cheerleading for you uh, and, and they expect for you to finish. Mm -hmm. They expect for you to do what you said, started out to do. And so in that mindset, I told y'all that there were several times in the program that I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I don't want to do this Mm -hmm. on the flow crying. Exactly. (laughs) Plenty of times, mm-hmm. but that perfectionist part of me is like, nah, I can't quit because I, because if I quit, then I'm a failure. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I would say that that's probably the default feeling mm-hmm. for uh, t- people that tend to 
have perfectionism tendencies. Mm -hmm. So then one thought that I'm kind of wanting to see what y'all think about it is. So when we were in school, we learned about, you know, I may be remembering the person wrong, but I think it's John Locke about um, the clean, clean slate that we're all born with a clean slate. Um, That whole nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what is y'all's belief or thoughts? Do we come into this world clean slate? Or do we come into this world with some hard wiring that can be improved upon or, you know, the other direction? (laughs) <laughs> when it comes when it comes to being um you know perfectionist that kind of idea i believe it's both and i've always been a person that believes in nature and nurture uh yes to a certain degree we are a blank slate for our experiences that we are going to live through but as scientists have shown there is transgenerational trauma and things of that nature that are passed on through our DNA. And it makes us more susceptible to certain diseases, certain, um, you know, substance abuse related problems, just all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think on one hand, yes, exper- experientially, yes, we are a blank slate, but the DNA do not lie. <laughs> okay. So I think that we have a, a blank slate, um, at birth but i think see we have to remember that we're raised from imperfect people Mm -hmm. so immediately day one we're getting teachings and environment from imperfect people Mm -hmm. so we immediately start gathering from what because you know that's why babies put everything in their mouth they're learning they're hearing that you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. so we're learning all of the uh imperfections and the perfections and the you know all of that stuff immediately from day one we may not comprehend to it but we but it's being instilled in us it's being spoken over us you mm-hmm. know like girl that she just bad just, mm-hmm. that's what you're gonna put on me yeah. you're putting that on me already okay mm-hmm. you know yeah so she just cry a lot seriously well what if i mm-hmm. was just crying today because i was sick yeah you know so it's it's the the words that's spoken over over us that I believe can manifest at an early age. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, we've all spoken to clients that talk about, um, you know, when they were really young, they remember, you know, oftentimes as a child, you remember things that your parent literally has no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, you don't remember when you said blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And for them, it was just a Tuesday. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, and for you, it's this memory that's like burned into your head, mm-hmm. you know, that will not leave. Um, so I think we've all spoken to clients that have said things like that, you know, that they've heard um, certain phrases consistently from their parents. Or there was this one time that kind of changed the course um, of their thinking or their um, behavior. Um, so I agree that I think that we are born kind of open um but that openness is what causes a lot of the sponging for the from the imperfect people mm-hmm. um i think that's why oftentimes we hear a lot of women who carrying babies like although they don't want to keep the baby in there forever it's like i just want to protect them forever in the in the womb mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but, it's the safest environment mm-hmm. but then like you also said Dana is 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 uh imperfect too, <laughs> <laughs> aka DNA, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Okay, so then, with with that said, if a person is a perfectionist, what do you think their influence is on the people around them? They get on their last nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to out my mom, but to out my mom. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up with a perfectionist parent, and we had very high standards growing up. There were certain ways um, that the home needed to be clean, certain ways the dishes needed to be washed. Um, there was 
expectations of um, how we should learn, things of that nature. Now, for me, it didn't really bother me because we also were in a military family. So, there, you know, this is just normal for us. Um, and my mom also allowed me to be me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't need to be a carbon copy of her or anything of that nature. So I think it's two-sided, you know, on one hand, she's teaching you a standard of how to live your life and how to be excellent. Cause I got a lot of the positivity side of that. And then on the other side, I could definitely see where you could fear, um, not doing as your parent wants you to do. And that is like the most tragic situation ever. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. And I would say two sides of the coins as well. Um, one, you have, you can have a person that is very, uh, can be difficult to get along with because mm-hmm. they have to have things their way. Mm-hmm. They think they're the one that's right or their idea is the best or, you know, whatever the case may be. But then you also may, you may have someone on the healthy end of mm-hmm. that who is, um, a, a someone who's driven mm-hmm. and they can you know you partner up with them and y'all can yeah morph something ex- mcdonald's yeah that was my mom <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah everybody don't get that though <laughs> yeah yeah um one of the articles i was reading was talking about um perfectionism being multi-dimensional mm-hmm. and that based off this particular study um they had three main ways that perfectionism shows up interpersonally, mm-hmm. uh, well, intra and inter uh, personally. So, of course, they had self-directed perfectionism. So that's me holding myself to, you know, this ridiculous standard that doesn't exist um, and being punitive with self. Mm-hmm. So then if I don't achieve this ridiculous level of thing that I have in my head, then you know, I am, like you said, I'm a failure. I have, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have any value, you know, just lightning bolt come out of sky, strike me now. the <laughs> imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we definitely got to jump into that. Uh, <laughs> the other way they had that it shows up is, um, what do they call it? Socially prescribed perfectionism. So that's the belief that other people are placing perfectionistic ideas on to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one was other perfectionism. And that's you placing your perfectionistic values on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have one, all or some combination of those um, perspectives. Mm -hmm. So the one that I thought was very interesting was like the socially prescribed perfectionism. So it's not necessarily that I believe that I have to be perfect, but I believe other people think that I have to be perfect. We Uh, get that a lot uh in in sessions. Yeah. Um, So it made me start really wondering, which this was not, um, you know, listed in the article but it really made me wonder okay so which one is the more uh insidious version Mm -hmm. is it the perfectionist like my own head my own echo chamber is it the my belief that i have to subscribe to other people's beliefs and fit into their mold or my own biases and believing that other people should follow and be what i think they should be so i wonder if they (laughs) I wonder if they integrate into each other. So like it starts off as other people's idea of who you're supposed to be or, you know, the perfectionism. And then in turn, you start believing that. And then in turn, you start projecting it onto other people. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. They kind of layer on one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I definitely think they could definitely do that. Absolutely. Um, I was just wondering which one has the, the most impact uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah like the deepest yeah impact is it you know you on self is more destructive your belief on others on you or your belief on others I think it just depends on the person but if I'm speaking personally I honestly think it's me on myself hmm. um but I've seen people where what other people says say are more important than how they think about the situation. So I, I do, I think it's kind of going to depend on the individual. Okay. And I was wondering 
is it more difficult with the other people just because we can't really mind read. Mm-hmm. And so you're guessing that based on something, but what is it actually what they have actually said? Mm-hmm. And did they, is your perception correct of what they said? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that you're thinking they they're saying, they're saying to you, like just from having a conversation and mm-hmm. you think that this is what they said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my brain, what you're saying kind of goes, there's a misinterpretation or misperception of either their words and or their behavior. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and you know, and when you, when you start thinking that way about or trying to mind read with, from other people's thoughts, mm-hmm. that can trip you up <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And, and you can't change it because you can't change what, you think you can't change what you see and what you thought you heard. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think contributes to the identity crisis thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is why I was wondering what, which one you guys thought might have the bigger or deeper kind of impact. Because if I'm walking around with mm-hmm. ideas on what, if I'm trying to live my life based off what I think other people want me to be living my life by. Right. Right. Um, mm what identity am I even able to develop because their self-based um, perfectionism is my own, my own voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's just my voice in my head. Yep. Yeah. But situationally, I mean, excuse me, socially based perfectionism is potentially thousands of voices mm-hmm. in my okay. head. Mm-hmm. It's my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my coworkers, my friends, my grandma. It's all of these voices, and I'm trying to chameleon myself mm-hmm. to fit all of these different situations. Mm-hmm. Man, we it's are our mask. worst worst enemy. Yes, yes, to both of you. Because <laughs> uh, I was using my um, my lateral listening. <laughs> I heard both of those at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so th- that's why I was wondering, like, which one has the bigger impact? I think they all have very severe consequences. So let me mm-hmm. go ahead and put that part out there in their own individualized way. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of, as we all know, mm-hmm. like with the love languages, we all do all of them and all want all of them, but we have our, our go-tos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even though all if you use or if you kind of operate under perfectionism, you're going to do all three of these, mm-hmm. but you're going to usually kind of err with one. So if my go-to is socially based, does that one, you know, it, I'm just wondering, it, it does it have a bigger, mm-hmm. that, this, uh, that's a good question for our interns. You know, once you get to this section of the session uh, and you think about if you have operated in, perfectionism Mm -hmm. like tell us which one you think has been worse for you if you've operated in all three Mm -hmm. on instagram or facebook or youtube okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) help the algorithm guys um but also with that Mm -hmm. what can they do dr wall which part (laughs) (laughs) well if they want to learn how to deal with their perfectionism they can call a place like what I mean, they could call Balance Beacon, but we're not going to call them yet. So what we're going to say is you're going to listen to the podcast (laughs) and shoot up the anchor algorithm. We're going to do that one first. Yeah. It's so much going on in the world right now, and we could all use some extra support. At Balance Beacon, we offer counseling services for individuals, couples, families, and groups. If you're in Texas, give us a call at 214-396-6503 or visit our website at www.balancebeacon.com for more information. So now that we've kind of gone through, like, you know, there's these three different ways that we can show up with perfectionism. If a person is having an identity issue 
related to this specifically, what would be one of the first things you guys would say as a way to start dealing with that? And then the second layer of that question is, how do you guys think it actually shows up in their life daily? I mean, what I typically do when I see a client like this and the interns have heard me say this before is I always be like, but why? Why? Because mm-hmm. we going to note all these thought processes that are not serving you. Why do you think that? Where's the evidence of that? Mm-hmm. And that way it's not me telling them that they're thinking wrong. It's you have to prove to yourself that what you're saying and what you're thinking is actually what's going on. Um, and then it allows them to generate what actually works for them and what does not work for them. Cause I think that's kind of the problem. They don't really know who they are and who they want to be. They have these ideals and they haven't really questioned, do those ideals actually work for the person that I really am? Yeah. And so I, to add on to that, I, I typically tell them we have to go back to the basics and you're not like a, Y'all know I have a 50 question, question mm-hmm. uh, who, who am I questionnaire in my office. And so I'll, I typically give them that. And one of the first questions on that um, questionnaire is when was the last time you said, I love you to yourself. And of course, I, I don't think I have ever had a person to say today. I have always had the answer of, I've never told myself, I love you. I love myself. And so I asked them, well, how do you know that other people love you? And they always say something about their love language or something, you know, mm-hmm. to that nature. And then they'll, they'll say, I say, well, do people tell you that they love you? And they say, well, yeah. So if they, people tell you that they love you and that's a part of how you know they love you, then how come you're not telling yourself? Mm-hmm. And then they, that's a good question, Dr. Jones, Hines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I start off from uh, start off with the basics. I give them that questionnaire and we process all 50 questions. I have them do 10, 10 a session. Mm-hmm. Okay. We process 10 a session because they do it for homework, mm-hmm. but we process 10 a session. And so what I do, they don't, and I tell them they can't give me just answers like yes, no trees, water, you know, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. They can't yeah. no. you, you have to put some thought into it. And then even when you come in here and process it with me, we're going to process it. Like, I'm not just going to say, oh, okay, that was a good answer. No, 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 no. I'm going to question your answer because now see what we have to begin to do is, um, begin to get you back to what your standards are, what your morals are, what your values are so that you can understand who you are. Mm-hmm. So you can come out of that identity crisis mm-hmm. that you started probably long time ago. Okay. So for the general person then, how, cause this kind of is a throwback to the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. thing. How do you guys think that perfectionism like shows up in a real world setting? You know, I know we talked about rigidity and kind of like analysis paralysis, but like, how do you see? Well, I, you know, in some of the research that I was doing, I found an article um, from the muse and they were just kind of going through five different types of imposter syndrome, which, you know, goes with what we're talking about. And so the first one obviously was the perfectionist (laughs) so they were just you know going into that which we've I feel like we've already pretty much kind of tackled that so there's not really anything that I would add to it based off what they've read yeah Mm -hmm. um but some of the examples that I think we haven't talked about is like a micromanager someone who has difficulty delegating um when you miss the mark you like have multiple bad days after and your whole month is you know over um and you have to do be at 100 percent all the time for 100 percent of the days that you're doing something so those are some of the uh real life examples for perfectionism uh but then they kind of go into the next one which is the superman superwoman and that one is kind of talking about um <laughs> the phonies and the real people oh and it's like everyone around me 
It's fake. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's kind of weird. It's like a, it, but they do that because it's a falsehood. They're covering up their own insecurities, kind of like what we were talking about mm-hmm. previously. And some of those examples are um, staying late, overworking the time that you're supposed to be working, having poor boundaries in relationships and work life. No work life balance, essentially stressed out easily when you're not working and you feel like, why should I have downtime? That's wasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have you don't do any of your hobbies because you're fearful that you won't be seen as somebody who's contributing to society in some type of way. And you have to feel like you earned your title and mm-hmm. you constantly overdo things. So a workaholic. Mm, that's an interesting point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is the natural genius and kind of just talking about you're smart because you're smart and I feel like <laughs> I don't feel this way about myself but I feel like a lot of people growing up looked at me like this because I was nerdy and they're like oh you should know that and uh no I really I know what I know about what I know I don't <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know. I love that. I don't know everything. (laughs) I know a little bit of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) A little bit. Um, But it just talks about being competent because you're a natural genius and are judged based off of the things that you've been competent in in the past because it was so astounding to someone else that you're obviously smart in everything. Mm -hmm. And some of those examples are... um, are you used to excelling without much effort? Do you have a track record of getting straight A's or gold stars in everything you do? Were you told as a child that you were the smart one in the family or the peer group? Do you dislike the idea of having a mentor because you can handle things on your own? Uh, when you're faced with a setback, does your confidence tumble because not performing well provokes a feeling of shame? Do you often avoid challenges because it's uncomfortable to try something you're not great at? Hmm. Yeah, this one was um, one that me and my husband used to argue about mm. a lot. Um, so his thought was at one point in time that the did things come easy to you? Mm. Um, so like if something didn't go my way or, you know, something I didn't achieve or failed at something um, and I would have a really intense negative reaction, his thing was well because the things have always gone your way mm. it's always been easy for you um but the perfectionist in in my head what i heard was you're telling me that i didn't work hard yeah and that piece about did you earn it mm-hmm. so, so yeah. you're the the one right above it uh-huh but uh, he was telling you from the perspective of the natural genius uh-huh uh so it's it's interesting how those two things kind of interplay off of each other um, because it was like, well, but then when you sit back and, you know, reflect and, and look on these things, it's like, well, then in reality, yes, things did actually come easy to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, like my first job or when I went to internship or when I, you know, went to college, you know, all of these things did not, they were not stumbling blocks for me. Cause you got it. Yeah. Like I got <laughs> a lot of these things, like my, my practicum, like I literally, she just said yes on the spot. Like, as soon as I started talking, she was like, oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, I I want you. And my internship, Mm -hmm. um, my postdoc, like all of these things were really not a lot of effort on my part. Mm -hmm. But as later on, as things started to become a little bit more difficult, you know, the stuff that I was saying to myself and then hearing that, you Mm -hmm. know, it triggered something from the in me from the previous one Mm -hmm. in realizing like, no, I worked hard for all of this stuff. And it's not to say that I didn't, but it was both of those things. Mm -hmm. I worked hard to achieve them, but they also came easily. Yeah. And I think for your specific situation, you're a nerd. Mm -hmm. And so your mind conceptualizes things this way versus if I told you to get up on the stage and do, give me your best eight count. You're going to be like, oh, my God, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the way your mind is going to And a one, and a two, and a three. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or if you had to go switching places with your husband, if you had to go work on the cars. Yeah. You're going to be like, I'm about to tear this whole car up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That comes easy for him. Like, 
I'm, yeah. I just took everything out. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get all of that out. I'm like, the silver one? <laughs> you have like thousands of silver pieces yeah. in here. <laughs> so I, I think it's that. Um, the other two, um, the soloists, and this is uh, sufferers who feel as though asking for help reveals their phoniness or uh, that they're not good enough. So kind of that thing is okay to be independent, but it's also okay to ask for help thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of their, uh, the things that they listed are, do you firmly feel that you need to accomplish things on your own? Uh, The next one is, I don't need anyone's help. Does that sound like you? Do do your frame request Mm. in terms of the requirements of the project rather than your needs as a person. So see, I have this thing that I need instead of just saying, can you help me? Yeah. Mm. That mm-hmm. would be me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a part of that, my parents are travelers. And although, you know, they traveled all my life and they left me, you know, with me and my brother, with my godparents, but, um, it still kind of felt like, you know, I had to be independent, like, I needed to behave mm-hmm. so my parents wouldn't have to come back from where they were to have to get me in line or talk to me or, you know, so I, it, it was that I needed to be independent. Mm-hmm. I needed to make sure my parents didn't have to come back, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that idea of me asking for, and I'm also the only girl. So I didn't have a problem asking my brothers for help. Because they're my brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all are supposed to help me. <laughs> but um, but for anybody else, it now that has changed now because I have a business partner that I have to ask for help. So I've and I have a partner that I have to ask for help. So that's changed now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it used to be real bad. I would never mm. in my past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think even sometimes asking for help doesn't even cross your mind because you've been conditioned to do it yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I can see that and plus you know I've been in states by myself yeah so I've had you know I've had to be independent you know until I develop my own little Texas family or Georgia family or whoever yeah to trust people enough to be able to ask for help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I agree with that yeah, I think for me, I kind of talked about this before, maybe definitely many sessions ago. Um, but one of the things that was kind of placed on me was like that what you were talking about before. I think Dr. Wall, like you just already know stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I can vividly remember um, like you know, he'll probably still do it to this day. <laughs> but, um, what, you know, my dad was really big on. Um, well, you know, she knows Shonda knows. Uh, go ask Shonda. Uh, and it may be something I had never even seen before and something I'd never even heard before. And then, so I have to think on the fly <laughs> on how to address this situation and answer mm-hmm. this question. So I think it had a, a twofold issue or a twofold result for me. Uh, I, I definitely think it created some perfectionism, insert all the rest of the stuff that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. But I also think it developed my critical thinking skills mm-hmm. um, because I will break a situation down like mm-hmm. all the way. Um, I don't really get paralyzed by decision making. Um, yeah. oh, let me rephrase that because my husband would be like, what are you saying? Um, little decisions I do. So stuff like, what do you want to eat for dinner? Like that's something that can take me forever to think about. Um, <laughs> but if it's something big, like life changing, uh, I don't really get paralyzed, but um, I definitely am a, a critical thinker. So I think it has had a two fold result for me, um, both positive and negative. Okay. Okay. So I had to say. Um, the fifth one is the expert and the experts measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do believing they will never know enough. They fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. And some of the questions that they ask on this one is, do you shy away from applying to job postings unless you meet every single educational requirement 
Are you constantly seeking out trainings or certifications because you think you need to improve your skills in order to succeed? Even if you've been in your role for some time, can you relate to feeling like you still don't know enough? And do you shudder when someone says you're an expert? Mm. So those are the five. I'll definitely say I felt that one Mm -hmm. when we first opened the office. You stole it out of my head. Yeah. I said the same thing. I felt like I I didn't know enough and I felt like I couldn't learn enough and I wanted to learn everything Mm -hmm. all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Yeah, I I definitely felt that initially, probably about the first year, solid. Mm. Um, And then that has died down. And I think I've had a reemergence of that feeling. (laughs) I was just going to say today. Uh Uh, I've had a reemergence of that feeling um, because we're at a different position, you know, Uh with the office. Um, I feel like we're growing to another level now that Uh we have to have a different set of knowledge for Uh in order for this second phase to succeed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if i had to say i think it it is triggering that that perfectionism yeah idea that kind of self-deprecation you know all the stuff we've been talking about that you know once you've Mm -hmm. gotten kind of kicked into that mindset you know perfectionism is a very let me say the unhealthy version of perfectionism because we haven't haven't really talked about the, the healthier version of that but the unhealthy version of um, perfectionism is a very self-deprecating um, place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely can feel like that piece getting triggered internally. Um, so I'm actually glad we talked about this one today because it's so relevant. And it's something that it's so subtle. You know, we're talking about perfectionism as, you know, and I know we don't mean to be making it sound this way, but like it's this huge entity that's just like very glaring and obvious. But in reality, striving for perfectionism is a very, you know, slow, um, almost invisible at times uh, process until yeah. you're like, you're deep in it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, holy <laughs> sugar, honey, iced tea yep what what is why am i why am i not sleeping why does my chest hurt why is my eye twitching why is my stomach acting up oh it's this pressure i've been putting on myself yep yep (laughs) um you know it's not this obvious thing that you're just you know walking around with you know hugged up with it isn't it's it's hard But then it makes me wonder, is that perfectionism, like what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to a different phase. Is that perfectionism or is it us having high standards for us and our brand and our business? Mm, No, I think that one would be individualized, you know, just kind of where each person's head is at um, and kind of how you tend to view self and view self in the world. Um, cause I think it could be either and wax and wane, depending upon whatever you're experiencing in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say both, both. Mm-hmm. cause I'm both. What? <laughs> mm. I was just thinking it also, like I was talking with y'all earlier, mm-hmm. when you think about that imposter syndrome and you kind of figuring out what supports these things what doesn't support these things that sense of belonging acceptance identity like you have all these components that kind of intertwine if one is off (laughs) it throws everything else off so Mm -hmm. if I don't understand who I am and what my purpose is then I'm like well then I have to be like this or I have to be like syndrome huh what's imposter syndrome she threw me off i was like wait what i'm sorry i i, I just realized we we've been throwing that word around but you know everybody don't know what that means well, let me give you a definition as soon as i get back up to the top of the article <laughs> <laughs> so imposter syndrome refers to when people believe themselves to be intellectual frauds due to an inability to internalize their successes along with this fear is a fear of being exposed you know, whenever I have a client that, you know, says that, I always ask, well, who do you think is going to expose you? And what are they exposing? 
I think one of the difficult things is being open um, because we're not really taught how to be open and be vulnerable, which, you know, throw back to that session about vulnerability. Uh, you know, we're not taught that that's a, a healthy, helpful um, skill to have yeah. if used in moderate ways because, you know, too much vulnerability is also not on the great end either. Right. Um, but I don't think that we're taught really well on how to show that you don't know everything, that mm -hmm. you are a work in progress and can't be afraid of asking questions mm -hmm. that we, and let me just say this for American culture, you know, we definitely pride the go getter. We pride the intellectual, like we, everything in our culture prides top level. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't celebrate or even acknowledge lackluster. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been compounded even further by social media. Yeah. Um, because social media is just a highlight reel. It's either the highlight reel of the most beautiful in all ways or the lowest. Mm -hmm. There's not really a whole lot of in between. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think it is contributing to this idea even more about you need to be presentable in whatever way your head is telling you presentable means. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, one of the articles that I was reading um, is was specifically about how um, perfectionism is, has increased um, since the 1980s. Uh, so this one was 1986 through 2016. Um, they did a longitudinal study with these um, individuals and they were talking about how, um, over time, people have become more perfectionistic just through comparison, you know, technology, um, you know, the way we teach people now, like there's been all of these changes. So our idea of what we should be and how we should look, act, um, all these different ways has caused, you know, like a heavier burden on us emotionally, mentally, socially, um, and, you know. It's, it's hurting us. Mm -hmm. It's a cycle. Vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how do we deal with it? The imposter syndrome. I think it kind of also goes back to what y'all were saying a little bit earlier. Um, and what we've said before on previous sessions, like whose voice is actually in your head? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Is it your voice? Is it someone else's voice? And if it is somebody else's, whose? And challenge it. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, is what they're saying or what you're hearing? Uh, and okay, we're not talking about in a, you know, kind of schizophrenic kind of way, but <laughs> you know, is it reality? Um, like I hear this a lot in some of my sessions, like I should have a house by now, or I should be making this amount of money, or I should be married, or I should be, um, whatever it is, have this many children by now. And it's like, but is that realistic for the life that you want? Is that realistic for where you actually are? Um, and is it relevant at all? And what steps have you taken towards or away from that? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think one of the first things is whose voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I would say um, acknowledge the thoughts and then put them in perspective. Mm -hmm. So once you begin to start challenging those thoughts, because the thing about it is you can't stop thoughts from popping up in your head, but you can acknowledge them and then put them in perspective and then learn how to let it go mm -hmm. and more critically question the thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another thing is easing like unrealistic goals and expectations standards like you really need to sit down like we were talking about in session way at the beginning of us doing the podcast is you know make smart goals you know specific measurable attainable blah 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 blah, blah. all things smart goals so that you can really identify is this standard actually something that I can get to or am I just pulling it 
Adam Booty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I edited myself. So, you know, you just need to really think that and by doing a smart goal, you really can identify, okay, like this is what I'm trying to get. This is how I can get it. This is when I want it. Like you can just go through everything and it takes the pressure off of you trying to decide if it's appropriate and it just, it makes it a a simpler process for you. I think another thing that kind of helps with that is that you don't have to do everything. Mm -hmm. Prioritize. Delegate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because perfectionism, imposter syndrome, these are things that tell you, I got to do all the things all the time. And I need to look like I'm super strong. Yeah. And I don't know who told you that, but that sounds really painful. <laughs> it <laughs> and is. unhealthy. It mm-hmm. does. Well, this puts me in the mind of um, the other thing I was thinking as you ladies were talking is developing non-attachment. Mm-hmm. You know, what meaning are you attaching to the stuff that you say or hear internally um, and learning to place it categorically where it belongs you know if it's related to relationships is this a relationship that is bringing value to me you know so what is the meaning that I'm placing on all of this stuff uh is it higher or lower because sometimes you know we go in reverse um you know what's the meaning that I'm attaching to stuff um and am I being overly attached to an idea Mm-hmm. And understand that um, doubt is normal. Yes. You should doubt yourself sometimes because that will allow you to go back to the drawing board to make sure whatever decision or whatever thing you're about to get into is the right thing for you. And you can begin to evaluate, okay, like Dr. Strickland was saying earlier, whose voice are you hearing when you're getting ready to get involved in this said thing? Mm-hmm. Yep stop playing around (laughs) do the work you know what i'm saying like don't expect it to be a passive thing that's going to happen Mm -hmm. you know addressing these issues takes work Uh, i cannot tell you how many people that we see um and i'm pretty sure just by every therapist on the planet nothing is going to change until you make some strides and some effort to actually Mm -hmm. change these these behaviors these thoughts feelings Um, And it's not going to be a quick, fast turnaround. It is going to be an in-depth, painful process that has a lot of acknowledgement, a lot of self-accountability and responsibility, some boundaries, but the work has to be done and you're not going to be able to get around that. Yeah. And even when you start making these changes, people, obviously people are not going to know that you're making changes. And so they're going to still continue to hold you to a standard or um, their expectation and you have to stop them from doing that. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, one, I think Dr. Wild was one person that said, you know, she doesn't know everything about everything, but because we're doctors, people will come up to us and be like, well, how do you make canvases? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, you a doctor. You supposed to know I'm a doctor in psychology. And I don't know all that stuff. Cause I don't like all of it. You, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? It's so, not my area of expertise. Right. Yep. So you have to stop letting people put that sta- their standard on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Check your evidence. You know, that's that's a major one, too. Like, mm-hmm. don't just skip over things just because you want it to be different and it feels different or whatever. Like, what is the evidence saying? Either it's going to prove or disprove. Absolutely. That's doctoral research right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I know we winding down, and I didn't tell the ladies this, but we got a new country, y'all. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Come on, come on, new country. Mm-hmm. Peru. Ooh. Come on, Peru. Hello, <laughs> Peru. Yes. How Shout out. You? Yes. Thank you. Appreciate Thank that you. follow. Welcome, intern. Yes. Welcome. We love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anything else? Well, I mean, we do have some good things coming up. You know, I don't know if we want to let the cats out the bag or just tell them that it's a live coming up. Live. And I do want to go ahead and let y'all know the movie we're going to do for this month. Yes. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, that's right. The Five Heartbeats. I'm sure it's probably right. a lot of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't nobody sing like Eddie Kane. I'm sure it's a probably um, a, a lot of y'all's favorites too. So mm-hmm. y'all go ahead and jump on yes. in that MMB when we get to it. Yes, because okay. every night I have to prove my love. Because <laughs> nights like this, I, I wish. wish. <laughs> we'll keep going. <laughs> oh man, yes. So we definitely got some big things coming. So we uh, want to, you know, switch it up a little bit. As is customary, we usually end off with a quote. And this week's quote is brought to you by Z. Frank. Perfectionism may look good in shiny shoes, but a bit of an asshole and no one invites him to their pool party. Must be his body control. So, okay, interns, process your notes. Be sure to catch us next session and find us on all major platforms at The Recycled Podcast. If you're a new intern, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. And remember, we are shifting and reshaping our psyche through healing conversations and connections, one discussion at a time.